Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. Hello, portrait photographer friends, and welcome back to The Rework. Today, I want to share with you one of my great fortunes in my life, and that is I have had the good fortune to have a really good friend in this industry, Catherine Langsford from Vancouver, Canada. She's been on the podcast before, and I'm bringing her back as a regular guest. Today, we're going to be talking about pricing, all kinds of pricing, from raising the perceived value of your work for looking at other things that your clients are spending money on and just getting our heads around pricing our work. The conversation is in-depth and wide-ranging, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Okay, so I have brought back our favorite regular guest, Catherine Langsford from Canada, (laughs) from Photos by Catherine in Vancouver, Canada. And we are going to be talking about game changers and our business specifically around pricing. So this seems to be something that really hangs... And I think it hangs us all up. I think it's kind yeah. of a hanger upper topic. Yeah. Okay. So you had some thoughts and I want to hear them. So let's go. Let's do it. Well, I mean, you and I have had lots of talks about this. And I think some of the things that uh, came up for me, usually brought up by you, always brought up by you. <laughs> Wait, what is that supposed the to mean? Of, you know, like just sort of like when we talk about getting our prices, like sometimes you and I will sit down and we'll take out a spreadsheet and we'll figure out, okay, if I use the formula that I want to use for my markup, here's where I land. And sometimes when I look at that number, I feel like how on earth can I have that be the price tag for this particular piece of work? Um, it just feels like I I get nervous. You know, I feel like, are people going to pay that? That's so much. I mean, I don't know what I'm comparing it to in my mind, but so when we start with that place, we've had conversations about what else do people spend that much on? Mm -hmm. So let's look at the price point of, for example, a Gucci bag. Let's look at that. Let's look at, let's look at the price. How much is a Gucci bag? Well, I guess that depends on what kind of Gucci bag you're buying. I don't buy Gucci bags. No, I don't either. <laughs> but I, I am not a Gucci purchaser. I mean, yeah. But, and I'm not actually, I'm not a handbag girl either that much. Right. But a lot of my clients are. Right. So okay. Gucci, here's a Gucci small bag that I just pulled up. It's $3,300. Okay. That's a, that's a small Gucci bag. And that's it's a one. one that I just picked off the website. And then there's a Chanel bag. And then there's, you know, a Louis Vuitton bag. So... Yeah, and those are actually kind of, I'm not going to say, I mean, those are high-end brands for sure, but there are higher. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you're talking about Hermes, 
Mm-hmm. If you're talking about Celine, you know, those are or even higher ones that aren't so branded are actually even higher than that. So it would not be out of the realm of possibility that those would be close to $10,000 on some of those bags. And so what's the point of that? Why would we ask that question? Like, what is a handbag? Is Because we want to know what else are people spending money on that's in that range, maybe of what we might be charging. Yeah. So it's interesting to look at our clients' lives and our clients' worlds and the things that are in their world and the things that are normal to spend on. So there's bags, there's fashion, there's, I mean, there's big ticket like cars and homes, but Mm -hmm. in the realm of things that you like to surround yourself with and that you see as beautiful and that you want to have. And there's also furniture. You know, we position ourselves as creating part of your home decor, part of the work that's going to hang on your walls. So, I mean, not even getting into what the price tag is on fine art, you know, pieces of art bought from galleries. Just look at the furniture in the room. The chair might be $4,500. The sofa might be $40,000. Yeah. You know, the table might be $12,000. So it would make sense that the work on the wall is in that... In the thousands of dollars. Ballpark, in that range. Yeah, Yeah, in that range. So I had in mind that the price points I had in mind came from the price points I assigned to myself based on looking at other photographers around me 20 years ago. Yep. That's when I competition-based pricing, by the way, just in case you wanted to know. <laughs> it's also called, there's, an, there's another very scientific term for it, which is called the blind leading the blind. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That exactly. is a scientific term, but I don't want to get too technical here. So let's no. go back. Yeah. Okay. So when I looked at positioning myself as something on the higher end, creating fine art, creating something to last a lifetime that blends with your decor and your personal style, it didn't seem fitting to price it like that. It seemed fitting to price it like the other elements of their personal style, the other elements of the things that they want to surround themselves with. So not only do I want to value my work in a way that makes me happy with the value, but I also want it to make sense to my client. Like they like things that are of this level of quality um, yeah. that are accompanied by this level of service and that makes sense. The price tag makes sense. The price tag is in line with, with that, with the quality and the, um, and the service that comes with it. Well, and I just had recently had a client that we were discussing this pricing. She's actually in sales. And so she was very curious about how portraits were sold and all of that. And uh, she was talking about how when she and her husband went were getting married and that he went to go buy her ring. And she told him, you know, they are, they're a little bit older, you know, uh, when they got married. And, and she, but she told him, she's like, look, you know, I want big. <laughs> like, don't be bringing some little chip over here. Like, I need something big. And so he's like, oh, okay. So he went, she's like, he went to this jeweler and it was an educational process. So they trotted <laughs> out the four C's, you know, the color cut, clarity, and carrot, and educated them on all the VSSI and the inclusions and the, you know, the, and the, all the documentation and all of this. She's like, he was so into that process. Like he was coming. And so when he brought me the ring, it wasn't like, you know, here, I love you. Will you marry me? Here is your rock that's going to, you're going to have to knuckle drag yourself on the ground. It was like, do you know that this is a VSI, blah, 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 blah. Like he was so excited to share all of that information with her and it made it more special. It made that process really interesting for him. 
mm-hmm. and built the value. So I think what you're saying to me, what I'm hearing when you're looking at the other things that are in the client's home is that you're raising the perceived value of what it is that you're doing. But I think it's interesting that you cannot raise the value for the client in the client's mind until you raise the value in your own mind first. Mm -hmm. So how did you do that? Because neither you nor I come from a rich background, Mm -hmm. right? And like you said, we both started out with competition pricing, looking at what everybody else is charging. So what flipped the switch for you to say, okay, actually this is worth this? I think it was, I mean, it, it, it didn't happen with a switch. I think it was a process of, first of all, asking myself, what is the best possible materials that I could use to create my pieces? Like, where are the best papers? If I go to, there's a selection of great galleries here in Vancouver. If I go visit these galleries, what do those moldings look like? What, are the, what glass are they using? What are, their, what are their substrates that they're printing on? So I started to educate myself on those things and where those things could be found and what goes into the construction of a high, high quality piece of fine art. We've talked about letters of provenance and certificates of authenticity, like looking at all of those things, all all the ingredients to like a very well-made piece that's backed up by documentation, (laughs) you know? Well, and then I think it's interesting though. So when you're talking about, you looked at all the substrates and all the possible things that they could be printed on, but are you talking about all of that to your client? Like, are you telling them about what it's printed on and all of that? Is that in the conversation or not really? Not usually. I have tear sheets in my studio. That that was the other thing, you know, the conversation we had about when buying art in a gallery, you know, if you want information on that art, you're provided with a tear sheet that has very sort of specific and, mm-hmm. you know, stark listing of what the item is constructed of. So for clients who are used to buying art, they recognize this. They recognize the information. They recognize how it's presented to them. It's just a single sheet that's sitting there next to the art. And that's familiar to them. So recreating that with regard to my work. And in, it, on the tear sheet, I do list the materials used in construction. And I also list that on the letter of provenance. But I don't really talk to clients much about it. And they don't really ask. Sometimes they might, you know, go over and touch the frame molding or take a close look to see what the substrate is, but they're not asking about about the materials. I I just feel I needed to know this is the best I can do in making Mm -hmm. this product. You know, this product is going to stand up to light. This product is, you know, all of the different sort of aspects that I felt like an item with that type of price tag should be. So that answers my question exactly, which is you're building the value for yourself. So you yeah. you have the confidence, like you don't need to toot that horn. You don't need yeah. to talk about, you know, it was rolled between the thighs of virgins and trucked across the Himalayas to bring mm-hmm. this and lay before you today. It's mm-hmm. literally, you know, that this was the best possible materials. And so then you don't have this feeling of like, well, I mean, it was cost me nothing from the lab. So I feel really right. about charging, you know, it's like, no, this is beautiful. This is the best possible way that my work could be presented. Yeah. So when I was talking with this client, it was interesting. This was just last week. And she was saying, you know, your prices are not high enough for the value of what this has provided to me. She's like, look, if I go buy a handbag, it's going to be 10 grand. She's like, any pair of shoes is like one to $4,000. And like my husband's into watches. His watches are like $60,000. So... And she says, really, what it comes down to is my husband will pay anything if he understands it, if he has somebody that's willing to educate him on that process. And so 
I just, well, first of all, as she was listing those things off, I'm like, I thought I kind of knew the prices of things, but I'm like, obviously you're shopping in different places than I am. I think it's a really interesting topic to discuss because it was a turning point for me. Like it, it really was a turning point when I start, cause I always like was sort of holding my breath and taking a big gulp when I would think about, oh my gosh, if I really want my profit margin to be this, I'm going to have to put this price out. And I really had to come to terms with it, like have an understanding of these are price tags that are not unfamiliar to my clients. I just need to show them that this work and these products are in line with the other items they have in their home. Right. You know, and... Um, and that it's not about and, you, really. Yeah, not, I, and not even that I need to show them. I said, I need to yeah. show them that. I don't really show them that. Yeah. You're right. I need to know that myself. And then... I mean, really, it's not like I don't deal with a lot of people who, you know, want to, oh, can we get that down $500 or they're they're not really nickel and diming for the most part. They know that, you know, that this is an investment. So once they're in and once they're, they've decided we're working together, it's usually not a big discussion about what the bottom line is. It's more within myself that I need to know like, yeah, this, this work, I am very happy with the price tag I have associated with this piece. I feel like that makes sense. And if it makes sense to me, it's just like when you walk into a high-end department store, you know, you don't have the person who's dressing you or helping you, you know, styling you, you don't have them apologizing about how much things cost. No, they're, they're not nowhere. apologizing that, that the tank top is $2,400. No, no, you don't, not on the that's high just, end. That's just what it is. No, no. Where you get the apologizing is in the low end. Don't you think? Right. That's where it yeah. is. That's where when you go somewhere and you are going to buy something, you know, it's like the Chipotle 250 for yep. the guacamole, uh-huh. you know? So you're like, okay, and I want the guacamole. And they always, they act like you're going to hit them. And then they're like, well, you know, it's like 250 extra or that's if they're like the doormat person, but if they're, or they're like, well, that's going to be 250 extra. And you're yep. like, can you just put the guacamole on the salad? Cause I really just need to have it. Like we yep. don't need to have a discussion. There's no value judgment about the guacamole. I just want the guacamole. So on the high end, it's assumed when it's well done, it's assumed that, well, of course, wouldn't everybody want the $2,400 tank top or the handbag or the whatever, you know, fill in the mm-hmm. blank of what luxurious good that you're buying. And so it comes from a very open, happy, like, isn't this amazing? Aren't these clothes amazing? And don't you look amazing in it? And so it's all from this positive standpoint. There's no like hedging and, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that this is so expensive. The reason why it's so expensive is because it's cashmere and you know, those cashmere prices gone up on the cashmere, you know, it just doesn't happen like that. But we have that going on in our head. Mm -hmm. For some reason. Well, as Tim Walden likes to say, we're selling out of our own wallet. We have to learn that, you know, our our clients, they have a different wallet. (laughs) Right. And the other thing that I I try and remind my staff of, you know, as I help them get comfortable with what these price points are and what people are spending here. These people, for the most part, people who choose to come here and engage me in providing the service for them, they love spending money. It's fun. They want to buy this great thing. If spending means they get this great thing that they want, that's the end of the conversation. They don't need to be talked into it. I see it all the time. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's like a shopping buzz. Yeah. You know, that's true. But uh, what I find, and I don't know if you have this too, but there definitely is a segment of my clientele that I would say would not fit into that category that definitely are not high rollers. I think they probably do well, but they're not super consumers. They aren't super luxurious, that kind of thing. But they really, really value portraits. 
Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. madly in love with their family. I do a lot of like larger families, like meaning a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And so to them, that is something that they are going to spend on because it's super important to them. So they might not have a $12,000 coffee table or a $40,000 sectional, but they're going to have my family art on their wall. Yeah. So do you have that too? Do you feel like there's a category of that? So not just the the luxury, there's the kind of the quote unquote normal people that just value what you do? 100%. There's the people who look for the premium service because they know they want the best. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people that you just described. Fine art of their children are their most treasured possessions. We've heard it over and over again that if they had a fire, first thing yeah. they would take is the portraits off the wall. It's an absolute like the most valuable thing they own. Some of them, you know, tell me that they put money aside, you know, every month for two years so that they can have the budget to do this because it's that important to them. And uh, definitely they don't spend that way in other areas of their life. They might not spend that way on their home or on their car or their vacation, but this is where they spend because it's, it's really, it it means everything to them. hundred percent. We have those. Yeah. So I, I think that that's just, I wanted to call that out because I think sometimes when we talk about the high end and that sort of thing that mm-hmm. it can really be a turnoff to some portrait photographers because they're like, look, we don't have that in our area or I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even want to deal with people like that, which I don't know why you wouldn't because people are people and there's some really nice rich people and some really jerky poor people and ver- vice versa, you know, so people are just people. But I think it's important that to highlight, I think it's important to highlight that it really is just an exchange of value. It's what does that person value? And mm-hmm. so for some of our clients, it's going to be like what we just said, that it's the the portraits are the most important thing. And then for others, they want the portraits, but they also want the attendant service because they don't want to, they don't want to be dealing with any of the other things. They don't want to handle all the things that we handle for them. Right. And that's part of the price tag. So yep. the complimentary delivery and installation, I mean, that's hours of work and lots of fuel and, you know, often time of three to four people. Right. So, you know, that, but they don't pay extra for that. So all of that is worked into the cost of the fine art and it's on those spreadsheets and it contributes to what that price tag ends up being. And we just, you know, as long as we can wrap our minds around that and feel like we're providing the great value for this item that we're selling at this price, then I don't feel like it's hard to sell. And then there's the concept of, you know, what we've needed to do to be comfortable with sharing this bottom line with our clients. Like that's a whole other thing that we haven't really talked about. Like just the understanding that when we slide that quote across the desk and it's whatever, five figures, we have to remind ourselves, these people are here because they want this. Right. They're not here because they're trying to get something for nothing. They want this. And this is how much it costs. Right. And let's do it. You know, like shifting my mind to that instead of, oh, I hope they're okay with that. Oh, I hope it's not too much. Oh, I hope just shifting my mind to this is what it costs. I really want to do this for you. And here's the price. Right. Instead of all those other thoughts. And that has been a game changer too. I mean, we've, we've done so much talking about that. Like just sort of presenting the bottom line, not saying anything more, even having that conversation of if they say, wow, that's a lot. Replying with, yeah, it it is a lot. This is going to be great. Yeah. It's a lot and you're getting a lot. Not even over explaining. Just, yeah, yeah, it is a lot. Of course it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. But not even telling, yeah, it's a lot because of this and these people have to make this and it, cut, it takes right. me this long to no, do this and this right, is... Right, right. There's, there's the, none of the that. guacamole conversation. That's, yeah, no, we're that's, not talking about the extra no. guacamole here. Mm-mm. 
Mm -mm. And that, what I come back to again and again is how, if I'm making it about me and my own insecurities or my own whatever neuroses, then that's when I start talking too much and start over explaining. And that's not what they're asking. It's just, right. It, right. It's, it's just robbing like, them of right. their experience. Exactly. You're, you're, you're harsh and my mellow. You're making this like negative thing happen. Like that's not even what I'm asking. It's like the kid that says, you know, where did I come from? And you're going to go have the sex talk with them. You know, it's like, no, you came from Mace, Arizona. That's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> return and ask me that question again when you're a little bit older, but um, don't answer the question that wasn't asked. Don't put forward some big, well, the reason why it's this expensive is because it's on the fine art paper and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's a defensive, you know, rather than just acknowledging like, I know, and it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And then if they say that really was completely out of the realm of what I thought this was going to be, then that's a different conversation. So then it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, let's make some adjustment, figure out what it needs to be. And then we'll just shoot right. less things or have smaller things or less things. Right. Because that's right. how you get the price if it, down. If it needs to be less, here are the ways that it can be less. Yeah. We but the ways that it's it less, less. Is, the, yeah, the ways that it's less is not that you didn't like the price and I'm going to discount it. Yeah, for sure. That's not how we make percent. it less. No. Nope. <laughs> No, we we make it fewer items at smaller sizes. Less things and smaller things. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I love it. And I think, I don't know, maybe it's just a girl thing. You know, I just feel like with so many women that have come into the industry since we've come into the industry, we I think we would be like first couple of classes that, that came in after the advent of digital is that women are so great at so many things being able to see kids' personalities and all the little nuances of mothering and sibling relationships. And so capturing imagery that has really never been captured before. I think there's been an entire wave of talk about like layers of meaning and amazing work, but we tend to sell ourselves short. We tend to over-accommodate. We tend to devalue what it is that we do. And get in our own head about like, I just feel bad. I feel guilty. What is that too? Because that I would say that's one of the most common comments when talking about pricing with photographers is the sentence, I feel guilty. Have you ever felt that? Or where do you think that's coming from? Well, I would think that's coming from poverty mindset. Like the feeling that this is too much money for what I'm doing and and I don't deserve to receive this much money or my work Mm -hmm. is not worth this much money. Mm-hmm. Um, have I ever felt guilty? I don't know. I would say I've felt guilty, but I have felt like that is too much and they won't pay that. Yes. I have felt that. And I've worked through that in the ways that we've discussed. Yes. Guilty, not so much guilty because I'm working for this. <laughs> I'm yeah. working hard. I've been working for this for 23 years. Yeah. It's, I've, it's I've, one I've, that I've, I don't really, I don't really understand either, but I hear it a ton. And so I, I'm thinking, I think it's what you said. It's a, I feel guilty. The other thing that goes with that sentence, okay, is I feel guilty or they will say, but I just, I want everybody to have pictures. Like I want everybody to have Mm -hmm. pictures of their kids. Mm -hmm. And so my answer to that is like, uh, everybody I know, everybody's got a cell phone. Like they can have pictures of their kids. No no one, no one is without without the ability to have pictures. Right. Uh, So if they they want my portrait, if they, if they want, there's a million photographers out there and maybe I'm not the right one for you. Right. But if, if they want, if this family wants my portraits, I will make them look like this and this is how much they cost and this is the service that they'll receive. And if that doesn't fit with what 
they can afford or what they want, then there are so many other choices and I'm very happy for them to use somebody else. There's a perfect fit for everyone. Right. And it's not a like, it's not a not my client, like I'm too cool for you. It literally is. I have said many times to people like, you don't need me for... If if you're just looking for pictures for Facebook or a holiday card, you do not need me for that. Like that's overkill. You know, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of girls in your neighborhood with a nice camera that can do that for you. What you need me for is when it counts, when it's got to go on the wall big, it's going to be like a part of your home decor and it's got to be freaking amazing. And then we'll get the holiday card out of that. But that's what you need us for. And so I think just knowing what your core competency is, what your end goal is, what it is that you're really trying to do for your clients, because it's true. It's like, if I have some beat up Honda Civic, I don't need to go hire a Ferrari mechanic to fix it. Like that's overkill. I might Mm -hmm. want that. I might want that level of expertise, but I don't want to pay for that. So there's no point in, in me trying to beat that guy down and trying to get him cheaper because all he's doing is working on the Honda Civic. It's like, that doesn't just, you know, stay in your lane. Yeah. Which I mean, uh, to me, it comes back to the consultation again, because I do have people who contact me who feel like I love her work. I love what it looks like. I want that experience, but I only want unframed five by sevens. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we're not really fleshing out that conversation and that person's agenda, that may be a person who needs a lot less than what I do and ends up in here without being fully informed about what I do and what she's signing up for. Right. And sometimes we don't listen to our clients. Sometimes we don't pay attention to that minimizing language that's right. You know, I like how many times, you know, throughout our career have we heard like, I just need a little, like it's not gonna take a long time, like a little mini shoot and like just like some couple eight by tens, like little, 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 five minutes of Photoshop. Uh And you know, it's all of that. It's like, okay, well, the client, they don't understand what is required. They don't understand how much time we spend and all of that. And we don't need to go into all of that detail with them. It's just the reason why we have our business set up the way we do. So the products are the way they are, the service is the way it is, and the way we do it is priced how it is, is because of all that stuff that goes into it. And so if you don't have the rules around that, then you're going to be doing $10,000 work for $1,000. And then you're going to be out of business, burnout, never spending any time with your kids. And, And so how is that helpful to anybody? You're taking your photographic gift off the table and you hate your clients because you aren't charging what is appropriate and it's not their fault because you didn't do it. Yeah. You did, and you didn't educate them properly. Right. Like, you know, I, I know that all you want is, you know, three, five by sevens for your built-in. And I can tell you that what I'm doing is, is going to be overkill for that. Right. But how many times, like when you were new, at least I can think of my own self, when somebody would say something like that to me, they would use that minimizing language. And I would think, well, but they haven't seen the pictures yet. And when mm-hmm. they do, mm-hmm. they're going to want more and they're going to buy bigger. But it's like the guy in the bar that's going to say like, look, I don't ever want to get married and never want to have kids. And then you still pursue the relationship. It's like, he told you from the mm-hmm. beginning, like, let's just be upfront and listen to people and believe them when they tell us. Yeah what it is they want. Now, does that mean that when you have a consultation with somebody that they only buy the thing that they say they're going to buy? No, of course they will do more. No, you just, you just can't bank on that. Right. You You can't can't. bank on it. You ask, you have to come in at least at some mutual agreement on like, okay, this is what we're planning for. This is what we're going to do. And you have it set up to where you know that, that this is going to be profitable for your business or else you can't do it and be a sustainable business. Yeah. 
I love it. Okay. Any other pearls of pricing or psychology thereof that we have not covered in this rambling? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Slightly off our rambling discussions go. Yeah. You know, the only other thing, and, and, uh, I hope you think this is relevant. The other thing that was a little bit of a game changer and an eye opener for me was when pricing my album, you know, my albums were Mm. something that I had a hard time getting up to the price point that I saw on that spreadsheet again. So when I worked in all the design work and the actual production cost and, you know, all the things that go into making an album, I just couldn't wrap my head around how much that was going to cost after my markup. And we had a conversation about like just the understanding that like my albums are 12 by 12. So when they're fully open, the spread is 12 by 24. Taking the cost of a 12 by 24 print and then multiplying that by the number of pages in the album. And of course, that number comes out to be far higher than the, than the price tag on my album. Yeah, it's and a so Yeah. And so Truly. really, I mean, it was just a simple spin of that sort of mindset. And it helped me to really see like, to see the value in, in the album. I think, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it only takes up 12 inches by 12 inches on, on a tabletop that it feels like it shouldn't you know, be priced where it is. But I was really able to come around to that. And to be honest, I don't get a lot of pushback from people who want albums about the price at all. I could probably mm-hmm. make them a little higher. And then yeah, the I've seen your price yeah, list. I, I, we, you and I need yeah. to have a talk about that after <laughs> after this podcast. We're going to dig into that because they absolutely do need to be more for sure. But I think those little hacks like that, those little mental hacks mm-hmm. to just allow yourself because... And at the bottom, when I think of all these things that we do, this minimizing that we do to ourselves or underselling or whatever, it's just because we're nice people and we want we want to give our clients amazing, great service and we don't want to overcharge for it. We don't ever want to be seen as being that grasping, like I'm just going to stick it to him. But really, that's not who we are. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the vast majority of portrait photographers that I've met, love people, love kids, love families. And and that's just not who you are. So mm-hmm. you're never going to be that kind of person. So there's, there's no worry about that. The bigger worry is that you don't price things right. And you find yourself resentful of your clients and you shouldn't be resentful of your clients because you're the one that set the price. And I think with most of us, we would say, if there's something that we really, really love and we really, really value, we're willing to pay for it. And we would rather pay a little bit more and get it exactly the way we want it rather Mm -hmm. than pay less and have somebody be withholding and not give us the full service. Right, yeah, exactly. So these little mindset shifts of like, you know, what would a 12 by 24 fine art print in your studio cost unframed and then times that by however many prints are in that album and then throw in the design and then throw in the album printing and all of that. that that's absolutely worth every cent of that. And when you think about, you know, we're kind of spoiled because we've been in the digital world, but like in the olden days, when you wanted to get a book like that printed, I mean you'd have to do a run of, you know, 10,000 to even make that happen. It would have been thousands and thousands of dollars. So the value definitely is there, but it's just helpful to kind of look through that stuff and kind of compare it to other things, even like where we started, you know, looking at what other things that clients are spending money on. And really you're just doing that. You're not doing that as a way to say, because this is something that I've definitely seen when other portrait photographers talk about clients and money. 
is they'll say things like, well, she walked in, she parked her car and it was a Land Rover. It was brand new. And she walked in with her Louis Vuitton bag. She had Chanel sunglasses and this huge rock on her finger. And then she started beating me up on price. And I'm like, you can totally afford this. So they get really judgy about the money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but maybe she doesn't value what you do. So she could afford it, but that doesn't mean that she values what you do. And then there are other people. So the reverse also happens, right? So they'll come in and they've got, you know, like seven kids in the back of their car and they come in and they want to do portraits. And then you think, oh, I feel bad. She can't afford it. Well, it's not up to you to decide what anybody else can afford. If they value it and they want to do it, your job is just to do the very best you can create the most amazing product that you can, make it beautiful, amazing, create an an amazing experience for them, put a price on it, and then just enjoy and love on your customers as much as you can. Yeah. And the people who value that will be drawn to you. Right. And the ones that don't, that have no interest in that, the, the better you get at messaging that, if you're lucky, you just don't ever hear from them. Right. Or it's just one phone call and then realizing, okay, this isn't in line with what I'm looking for. Right. But the thing that I think is so interesting is that the clearer that we've gotten about our message mm-hmm. is less, less of that. You have less of that. But even when they call and they, they disqualify themselves, because I'm not qualifying anybody, they're qualifying themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, okay, you know, like that for earlier conversation, you don't need me for your Facebook pictures. You don't need me for your holiday card. When it's big art on your wall, that's when you need me. Then they'll go, oh, okay. Well, you're right. You know what? I am going to just go get my holiday cards done by this girl in my neighborhood. And then can I book you in February for the big stuff? You know, so Mm -hmm. they know, they understand what you do. So it's like in the immortal words of Tim Walden, let's just bring it back to Tim again. Yeah, it all comes back to Tim. It all comes back to Tim is that it's more important for them to understand what I do than for them to like what I do. And so making it clear just makes it easier for everybody because then we make it clear and then they can decide whether they want us or not. And we don't have to try to think that we're going to, well, if I don't tell them the price right off, then they'll be so in love with the pictures that they'll buy them anyway. That is a losing proposition. It never mm-hmm. comes out well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Any other thoughts on pricing before we sail this ship? Into the sunset? Okay. All right. I will, until next time, be thinking of topic. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. Right. Talk to you All soon. Right. You can find more great resources from Allison at dotherework.com and on Instagram at do.the.rework. 